is where business ideas and passions turn into profit. Napkin ideas are no longer tucked away in drawers, and women around the globe are turning their hobbies into million-dollar businesses. Welcome to Million Dollar Hobbies. Here's your host, world-renowned jewelry designer and Shop HQ celebrity, Victoria Wick. Welcome to another episode of Million Dollar Hobbies show. We have an amazing, amazing guest today, and I can't wait to introduce you to him. His name is Mike Duffy. He's a philanthropist, an author of uh, many, many books, but the one book, it's all about happiness. And he's actually authored books on happiness. And the one is called The Happiness Book, The Positive Guide to Happiness. And um, if I read his whole bio, it would just take so long. So I'm just going to go through some highlights. Mike is the CEO of the Happiness Wealth Management Company in San Carlos, California. He is uh, the person who started the Happiness Hall of Fame to recognize, encourage, and celebrate people and organizations that make other people happy. Some of the members include, and you're going to be so impressed with these names, Muhammad Ali, Dolly Parton, Jerry Rice, Serena Williams, just to mention a few, and Golden State Warriors as well. Now, he's such an authority that when Mike talks, everybody listens. Let me tell you who listens. Mike has been a TED Talk speaker. He has been featured in Oprah Magazine, CNBC, NBC, Yahoo News, KCBS, and the list goes on and on and on. So without further ado, I want to welcome Mike. Mike, welcome to the show. Victoria, I am so happy to be here. I have so much respect for you. And I know that anybody that can hear the sound of our voices are really going to benefit from our talk today. I love that. So Mike, now... I think, you know, the world is divided. Uh, there are so many issues that divide us, confuse us, do all these things, you know, do, uh, gives us like mental gymnastics. Um, but we can all agree on one thing. We all want to be happy. Yes. Right. I have yet to meet anyone in my entire life. And I'm all 19 years old. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I just wish. But um, been around for a while. No one wants to be miserable. So everyone wants to be happy. Why is it that that just seems to be such a monumental task for a lot of people? Here's why. We have these self-defeating thoughts that hit us almost every moment of the day. Thoughts of failure, thoughts of fear, thoughts of what's going to happen in my future. And you have to discipline yourself. You have to, you know, in your brain, you have to be like a martial artist. And when those thoughts come in, it's kind of like wax off, right? Just knock it to the left. And you have to replace that with, with thoughts of courage, thoughts of faith, thoughts that I can do this. Just look backwards, you know, and all of the, all of the big things that you thought were going to take you out didn't. You're still here. You're breathing. And that gives you an opportunity to make your life the one you've always dreamed of. So, Mike, if you had to give, uh, you know, let's say you're talking to a bunch of people who just landed here from Mars and who, who haven't lived life here. Is there like a step by step guide to achieving happiness? I would think that, you know, what makes us happy is different for everyone. Right. So what makes me happy may not make you happy. And so I can tell you my between my husband and I we'd be at the polar opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to what makes us happy. He likes like plain, boring things. I like things that are exciting and moving. So 
I would assume that the first thing you'd want to do is define what happiness is for you. Is that correct? Or well, do you go back even further than that? You know, I, I think the best way, since we have limited time here, is to talk about my happiness formula. You okay. would say that happiness is different from everybody, and it is. So if you're listening to us right now, what I'd love you to do is take out a piece of paper or take out your phone, maybe the notes section, and write down these three letters. It's P plus P equals H. Purpose plus progress equals happiness. Hmm, okay. We all have different and multiple purposes in our life. One of the best-selling books of all time is The Purpose-Driven Life. Right. Because purpose is so important. Why are we here? Why am I getting out of bed? What is my purpose? Right? Mm-hmm. And whatever your passion is, that can lead to your purpose. So, for example, for me, I one of the purposes of my life is to be a great husband to my wife. The other one is to be a great dad to my two kids. The other one is to be a great financial advisor to my wealth management clients, right? So write down your purposes on the left. And then under the second P, which is progress, write down steps, actionable steps that you can do to make progress in your purpose. When you do that, that's when the happiness shows up. So let me just back up a little bit because I want to talk about the, the product you preach to the the personal journey it took for you. I'm sure you didn't wake up to, you know, like one morning and just became a happiness guru. So what caused you to go from, you know, manage, I mean, you were in a very high stress kind of a field. I mean, wealth management, there are a lot of really stressed out people in that yes, business. There and there are many stressed out moments day to day. Yes. So, uh, you're in that almost like a pressure cooker kind of an environment for years. Yes. So how do you go from, you know, what was the journey from that to what you're doing now? Was there some sort of a catalytic moment or was it a, a, a real soft progression or what, what happened to you? So, you know, I get, I get this question answered a lot. And basically the turning point in my life was when I was 17 years old and a happy kid from Queens, New York, all of a sudden was faced with tragedy. It was the death of my mother at 17. Now, some of us are very lucky to get amazing mothers. I was one of those people. But that left me in a state of depression for a couple of years. There were no money for therapy. Both of my parents were sixth grade educated immigrants from Ireland. Uh, So money was always tight. So I had to climb out of that depth of despair. And I did it by reading everything I could get my hands on, by going to seminars and getting a degree in psychology. I've always been fascinated with the science of human behavior. So that really is where I learned the keys and the secrets to getting happy and staying happy. So what I heard you say is that you had this life-altering, devastating uh, trauma that happened to you at age 17. And um, you had this you know, curiosity to figure out, you know, how do I move forward? How do other people cope with this? So all of this sort of, um, you know, I guess in a coping mechanism uh, that you really didn't have any other uh, ways of doing this. You didn't have the money for, you know, therapy and all that. So you turned that event into 
I guess the beginning of your progress. Yeah. Is it okay? This sounds great. So what happened next? So I got my degree in psychology and I I decided that I didn't want to listen to people's problems five days a week, <laughs> that I had enough of my own. So instead, I went to Wall Street and uh, and I listened to the problems of the world on a, on a uh, hourly basis looking at the Wall Street Journal. But I have learned through working with some of the wealthiest, most famous people on earth, um, what it means to, what money means to happiness. And I can tell you this, there was a very famous Princeton study on money and how it relates to happiness. And their scientists figured out that in the United States, if you make $70,000 or more, you're as happy as Warren Buffett. So it really doesn't matter. You know, once you can, you know, you get your head above water and you're paying your bills and you have a little bit left over to the side, you're as happy as, as, as billionaires. And I can tell you that because I've worked with them. Yeah. Um, you have some very happy billionaires and you have some very mean and miserable billionaires. So money does not buy happiness. It buys convenience and time. Uh, and I, I think also money can mask a lot of problems, don't you think, though? Yes. You know, and I it just kind of uh, when I first came to America, um, I came from South Korea. And, you know, I used to think, oh, my God, if I could just uh, rent my own apartment and have, you know, even a beat up old car, if I just could drive my own car, you know, that would make me really happy. Yeah. And then I would look at celebrities that, you know, they're beautiful people with beautiful boyfriends, beautiful girlfriends, all, you know, the house, the yacht and all that. And they all seem so miserable. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the only thing that, that we see in the news. And I'm thinking, like, what's wrong with them? And um, that now, after, you know, 30, 40 years later, I think that whole trend is sort of uh, escalated. You know, we see more and more celebrities with much more money and they are they seem to not be living this wonderful, happy life. So basically, I guess what you're saying is that, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. I mean, money is reality and it buys some things, you know, it does eliminate some problems. But how do you then go from I mean, what do you say to people who have everything and they are unhappy, what are the things they could do right now to stop being unhappy and make the progress to get to their ultimate happiness land or happy land? St. Augustine said that it is in giving that we receive. It's until you come up with a giving plan, which for some of my clients we went through, that's part of estate planning. And I can tell you that they go from maybe a level of seven up to a level of nine when they realize that all that they've worked for can actually benefit people. So I have a homeless outreach and, you know, about five days a week, I go out on the streets and I meet with my friends. Now, Victoria, I know that you know that it's who you associate with dictates the tra uh, trajectory of your life, right? Yeah. If you hang around with alcoholics, guess what you're going to become? So through the <laughs> Happiness sure. Hall of Fame, I've gotten to be amazing people right. all around the world. And let me just tell you this quick story. I wanted to induct Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity into the hall. Now, they had to get permission from India, from the head office, to let me into their convent. I was one of the few men ever allowed into the convent 
of the Missionaries of Charity in San Francisco. And I brought my 10-year-old daughter, she was 10 at the time, and we brought very expensive name brand cupcakes, two, two dozen, because I wanted those wonderful women who dedicate their life, their entire life to the poor, to the downtrodden. I wanted my daughter to meet these amazing women. So we walk in and I go to take a picture of the mother superior with the award. And she says, oh, we're not allowed to get pictures taken. I said, okay. Um, and I said, well, here's, here's some dessert. You know, I, I, you're gonna love these cupcakes. And she said, you know what? Our friends on the street will really enjoy these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was at that moment that changed my life again. I started seeing the homeless on the street as my friends. And now I go out five days a week. I, I'm bad with names, so I'll write down their name in the notes section of my iPhone. I know what medicines they're on, what they are, and I'll take them on. Like I took one gentleman uh, to batting practice with the San Francisco Giants. Because the Giants are in the Happiness Hall of Fame, I was able to leverage that and bring Zach, who drags himself by his knuckles because he could never stand up, to meet his heroes. So again, it's in giving that we receive. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't agree with you more. And I think that a lot of times, whether we are looking to be, you know, very successful in business or in our personal lives or anything, we're talking about small actions. Small actions don't have to cost money. I think that when I, um, and a lot of time, I think a lot of it too is if you are a person who comes to life or every um, event, you know, every incident, every person with gratitude. Yes. I mean, we could be griping about a lot of things, but I think about something that I'm, you know, really grateful for. And I kind of remember that. And I think when you say that, you know, I write down names, I'm horrible with names too. But like, you know, um, I had a, my own TV show on HSN for 20 years every month, and I now am on Shop HQ. And, you know, they have these models that they'll get a model for the day. They'll get a model for three hour shift. Mm -hmm. And so I go through a lot of, if I'm on for, you know, eight, nine hours, I might end up five, six models that I have never seen before. And so you got to remember names of the producer, assistant producer, the 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 model for shift A, B, and, and the host, show host, I mean, you name it, all these people. So I've got a crew of about 20 people you got to remember their names for. But I write them down, and when I'm talking on the show, and we will say something like, oh, my God, that looks so awesome on our model. I mean, a lot of people will say, you know, take a look at our model. She looks really wonderful. I never do that. I would say something like, doesn't Mona look absolutely fantastic? Yeah. Or doesn't, you know, um, Deborah look absolutely beautiful today? Because it's a lot more personal, right? Yes. Even if you're only going to see them for just a couple of minutes on the show. And, and you'd be surprised when you take that little action, just trying to write. I mean, I can't remember, so I am actually writing it down that they really appreciate that. You know, when you go to France or someplace, and I've heard so many times, like, you know, the French people don't like the Americans and blah, blah, blah. Well, I go over there. I learned to speak French for, I, I took a 30-day, like a diplomat crash course. And I try to speak French and I have a little dictionary and I'm going on and talking to them. And half the time they break out in perfect English. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, because you made the effort, to, you know, honor our tradition and our language, you know, you're just a very different person. So yeah. I think a lot of times, 
you could make a happier environment just taking simple little actions. I mean, of, of course, if there are bigger trauma, like the death of your family member or whatever, that's, that's a bigger thing. But there are just so many little things that each of us could do every day to not only make us happier, but everyone around you happy. Well, Victoria, you are such a success and you love the path of success and growing and stretching and learning that I'm sure you've heard of Zig Ziglar, right? Of course, yeah. So I, I, I can look at this out. She loves Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar said, telling somebody their own name is the sweetest thing they'll hear that day. So you're absolutely correct when it comes to talking to people and using your name. Yeah, and I think also going back to your point, you what you what I heard you say earlier with the whole the Mother Teresa and going to the homeless, that a lot of times you actually progress more as a human being emotionally by giving. Yes, but more than by receiving, Look, because receiving takes nothing. Yeah, right? exactly. Look, you you have a daughter, right? Yes, I do. Okay. So you remember back how amazing you felt on Christmas morning and you would hand her Christmas presents and watch her face light up, right? Right, right. It didn't matter what she gave you, right? It doesn't matter. It's the giving is where the joy comes from. Right. I agree. And on that, you know, when I, I know many of you who are listening right now and you talk about Mike, who is obviously very successful, and you look at my career, you know, I have a, a little bit of success. You think, well, I'm not them. I don't have time. I'm not them. I don't have money. You know, the things that we're talking about are little things. Remembering people's names, that doesn't take money. That doesn't take time. Uh, going out on a Saturday afternoon, I'm handing out, you know, blankets and socks to the homeless people, that is not something. I, we're talking socks that are worn. I mean, you can collect that. My kids actually did this. We collected socks that, that are worn uh, and we can easily drive it down to Tijuana because we're, I'm in San Diego. It's, it's, a, it's like a 40 minute drive down there. So things don't have to, these little actions don't, you know, there's something that we can all do yeah. no matter what, where you are in life. And you'd be surprised how much, um, some people might call it divine alignment, uh, divine intervention. Some people might call it karma, but you'd be surprised how much your good deeds actually multiply and comes back to you in ways that you never thought imaginable. Um, I'm going to share with you. I know it's your interview, but I'm going to share with you that in my career, there are several times that things happen to me for no good reason. I was helped by some random person or random event that is unexplainable to this day by people that I've never met before, you know, just at that right moment. I mean, for example, I went to uh, the El Toro Marine Corps uh, PX, you know, down in California, you know, this lady, the, the buyer for, from the PX called me, you know, like pretty often asked me to come by, you know, I had no idea what a PX was, you know, I, I was a young person. I, I was not a big company, but one day on my way drive uh, from Los Angeles to San Diego, where my in-laws lived, I stopped by the PX. And, you know, she, I showed her my jewelry and uh, she said, I love it. I love it. I love it. But I can't buy any because we have a rule that we can only buy things on consignment. Mm -hmm. And so, and I told her I can't float that because I'm a small company. I don't have money to float anything. And I, and I wish that she, she would have told me that because I wouldn't have wasted her time. Mm -hmm. So I'm packing things up 
And all of a sudden, everybody starts saluting some guy. And I had no clue who this guy was. In fact, he was really tall. So I had to get up and figure out who this person was. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's well saluting, whatever. And um, he said, well, what is this? And, you know, the woman started to tell her how much she wanted the jewelry in there, but she couldn't buy it. So he turned around and asked me, um, how much would it cost to test this here, you know, on a purchase order? So I said to him, you know, to do it properly, probably $75,000, but this is all 14 karat gold, but I can probably come up with something for maybe 20 grand. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and said, you know, lady, you're not a Marine. You don't understand the Marines, do you? And I said, no, sir. (laughs) He said to me, the Marine, we're the Marines. We either do something right or wouldn't do it at all. And he wrote a $75,000. I mean, he basically just signed a blank purchase order. And this Mary Lou, the the buyer said, that has never happened before, ever. And I have no idea who this guy is. I mean, he's some, you know, some general somewhere. And he was just visiting the, the, the base and he was lost. And so he happened to be dropping by. Now, how odd is it that all of those things happen at that very moment, right? Yes. So, so many times you help out the people that are less fortunate than you, your whole life, you, you've got a good heart. And that person may be never be able to pay you. They, they may not even remember your name. They may not even remember you. Yeah. But good things come back to you multiplied several times. Would you not agree with that? I, I have experienced this on countable times in my life. You have said the words that are so true, whether it's karma or whether it's God, or whether it's whatever you believe, right. it actually happens. Happens to me. The it happened to me many you times. Give, the more you receive. You know, it's true. I, I'm 53 years old. I was born in 1967. And I remember in the 70s, a very popular expression was, you know, you got to go find yourself, right? 70s right. were all about finding yourself. Right. And, you know, oh, where did your son go? Oh, he moved out to California. He's going to go find himself. But Bob Dylan <laughs> said that life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Yeah. And that's true. why mm-hmm. the people are tuning into your podcast right now is because they're trying to create yourself. Yeah. And I true. applaud you for finding out wonderful people like Victoria who give these wonderful lessons about how to, on many different levels, spiritual level, financial level, physical level, whatever it is. Keep looking for folks like Victoria because you're going to find the answers and you're going to create that life that you've always dreamed of. Well, thank you so much. Now, I'm going to ask you to spell out the, I think you've got a seven step system or something to find happiness. Did I read that? Or you had like a mechanism for for this. But before that, I just want to ask you this question and you may not have ever heard of this before. In my family, um, and I, I don't think it's a my family thing. I think it's a cultural thing in the little village that we grew up in in South Korea. The way they define success, you might find this really interesting, is a perfect balance between five different things. So not necessarily money, not necessarily you know passion, but there are five things that you're supposed to have equal amounts of. And when you reach that balance is when you've reached sort of the ultimate success. Mm-hmm. First one is wisdom, not intelligence, not degrees, but just wisdom. Yes. Second is health. Mm-hmm. 
third is longevity. You could have health, but you could die very quick, you know, for you know, car accident to put out there. And fourth is relationships. And the last thing is money. Mm-hmm. So when you have so much money and you focused on making money and more money and more of it, and like you said, 75,000 bucks gets you just about everything, but you know, some people are not happy with $700 million or 7 billion. Mm-hmm. So they, they strive to have more. A lot of times they manifest problems in either relationships or health or longevity because they're in a rush to do something else, right? So constantly we were supposed to look for this balance, whether you, you know, whether whether you just all of a sudden have a little bump in income or whatever. So what do you think about that philosophy? Do you think that? No, I, I like it a lot. It, it, it's all about the balance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in in the United States, it really is about chasing the buck. Right. And, you know, as long as you keep chasing that buck, you know, you get respect and all of those things. But I I can tell you it's because I'm I'm the CFO for a lot of wealthy people and they got the buck, right? Right. And And they had the buck long time ago. A long time ago. And it it doesn't bring them to where they thought. Like, they'll even say to me, they go, you know, Mike, I came from very humble beginnings. And I thought, well, if I had a million dollars, I'd be rich. Now I've got a hundred million dollars. And I think I was happier back when I had no money. Right. I do that all the time. I do too. And that's when, and that's why I started Happiness Wealth Management, to be honest with you. I was a senior vice president at Merrill Lynch. I had the corner office, top producer, Menlo Park. And I'm like, you know what? There needs to be another element to wealth management. There needs to, I I need to bring about what I do on my happiness side into my practice so that we really drill down to what their goals are and really get to the place where they are making progress in their purpose of being happy. And so, you know, we, for example, there's something called the donor advised fund. A lot of people don't know about. So let's say you work for Apple and you've got $30,000 of highly appreciated stock. And if you sell that to then give it away, you're going to have to pay tax on it. Then you have less money to give away. Well, you put that stock into the donor advised fund. You sell it inside that. Now you have $30,000. You get a tax write off. And you've got $30,000 to write a check to your favorite school or to your temple or whatever. So, you know, that's, that's why I brought about happiness wealth management. But you, you'd originally asked me, how are some ways to be happy, right? right. So, okay. yeah, you have a system. I, I'm sure you have a system by now to advise people, you know, to kind of like make it easy. Cause a lot of times, you know, when you hear a word like happiness, motivation, inspiration, these are great words, but you know, we need some actionable steps <laughs> to put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. So the first thing that I want to do is let folks know that our brain is a computer and what you put into it is what you're going to get out. So people are stressed out. They're filled with anxiety and well, what are they listening to? What kind of music are they listening to? Are they listening to sad music? Because guess what? If you listen to sad music, you're going to be sad. Some shows that the happiest music you can listen to is most 50s music and most classical music. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I do a lot of media and when I know I'm, I'm going to, like, for example, last Friday, AARP 
had me talk to their members. It was called Life 101 for Veterans, Happiness, Success, and Money. So I knew at one o'clock I was going to do that. So on my way to work, on my Sirius XM, I hit the 50s channel. And if you listen to the 50s music, yeah, you are yeah. going to bop. It's all right. Happy days, That's right? true. <laughs> it's happy days right here. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you have to make these conscious efforts. So right. happy music. And then TV. I don't watch the news. I Me gave too. up the news yeah. many, many years ago. Now, don't be an ignoramus. I read the Wall Street Journal every day for 25 years. Okay. I need to know the business news. And so does everybody hearing the sound of my voice. Right. When it comes to movies, I'm not watching movies about murder. Never. You know, 2020, Dateline, it's all about husbands killing their wives. This child <laughs> got kidnapped. Why are you watching that stuff? You right. know, you, you couldn't pay me to watch that nonsense. Watch comedies. Right. So that, that's one thing for, for filling your mind with positive input. The other thing is, you, want, you don't want to rely on outside sources of positivity, okay? So a lot of time in relationships, you'll have uh, one person and, you know, hopefully there'll be somebody else that makes them happy. Nobody can make you happy. Nobody. And that's why a lot of relationships end, well, that guy didn't make me happy. Yeah, but he can't make you happy. You have to choose to be happy. Happiness is a choice on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Don't rely on people because they'll just let you down. You can love them. And, and, and by the way, my message is all about love. My father wrote poetry for 50 years. And if I were to coalesce, my favorite line from my dad's poetry is, love is the center point of living. That's it. Yeah. So attract and give as much love as possible. The Beatles, their best line that they ever wrote was, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Focus on the love. Give love. Give. You can't run out of love. People are like, oh, I gave all I can. No, you didn't. Keep on giving. You're not going to drop dead from loving people. And what <laughs> you're going to find yeah. is that more will love will come in. Love is not finite. That's true. So basically what you're, what I've heard you say is don't count on anybody else. You need to make your world happy. You cannot make anybody happy until you're happy and you cannot be happy. You can't, no one else can make you happy until you're happy. So you need to find yourself with that, you know, happy positivity. All of that stuff is within you really. So you know, I really appreciate that, too, because I am a firm believer, you know, when, as you can imagine, when I first came to America, you know, it, America was very divided back then. It was right after the uh, civil rights movement. We were living through the aftermath of all that. And uh, when I see something unpleasant, even when I was a little kid uh, and somebody would say to me things that are horrible, I would choose not to give that person even a single moment of satisfaction or control over my life. Yes. So I just wouldn't respond or, you know, just basically I, I just tuned out anything that wasn't positive for me because not because I took your classes um, and I should have uh, or listened to you back then. But I didn't have a, like you said, I didn't have a choice. You know, my parents came here with 30 bucks and I didn't have a choice of getting going to therapy or, you know, they didn't have any online classes at the time. So it was kind of like a real survival, survival mode uh, coping mechanism. 
but in the end, it served me pretty well. And like you, I've tuned out the news like um, five, six years ago, probably. I, I don't even have cable uh, at my house because, you know, I choose to just write. Um, I, I write books and I play the music and I, you know, piano and I pretty much paint. And those things actually do make me happy. So, yeah, I think we're very much in alignment, you know. Good for you, Victoria. I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah, because, you know, it's all the things. Well, I create jewelry. I design jewelry for a living. Mm -hmm. And the thing about creative people, when we have negativity and you can't pour your heart out on something, Mm -hmm. it reflects in your work. So we don't have a choice. You know, I just have to kind of tune things out. So in um, closing, I want to ask you, what advice would you give somebody who's right now, um, and you touched on a lot of these words earlier, fear, uncertainty, uh, you know, COVID, I think has gone, it really has turned our world upside down and nobody knows what's going to happen next. And if they're sitting at home afraid of what's coming next, afraid of losing their jobs or afraid of, you know, having to move out of their homes or, you know, at least space or even afraid for their employees, are they coming back? What would you, um, I understand that there's a lot of things we could do to overcome, you know, fear and all of that, but is there some advice that you can give them now to, you know, just kind of um, get ready for the next phase? Absolutely. So I talk about problem solving questions when I get hired by corporations uh, to develop problem solving skills within their employees. So, you know, let me, and let me share. So when you find yourself, and maybe you're finding yourself, whether it's in a relationship or financially or something to do with your job, here are some questions to ask yourself. If I knew I couldn't fail, what would I try? What haven't I considered yet? And then here's the most powerful one. It's only three words. And Use this, and after you ask yourself these magical three words, clear your mind and and just wait. Wait until the universe sends the answers into your brain. Here's the words. What if I... What if I... And you stop it right there, and you let the answers come to you. I use that all the time. What if I, and believe it or not, it will come in. I remember when I was writing my first book, I have a degree in psychology, not in English. And I was just like, okay, I've got to put down everything that I've learned into something that people can get something out of. So I open up my, my laptop and there's the white screen. And I'm like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, what if I, And then within 45 seconds, I would do that every time. And then the words, I would run out of time before I ran out of typing. So that's a a very powerful question to ask yourself. The other thing I want to do is I want to encourage you. I believe that one of the reasons I'm still alive right now is to encourage people that are facing hard times. You can get over everything that you're facing. You can even turn whatever terrible thing has come on you into a story and a testimony. This test can be your testimony. Believe it or not, 
you will look forward in the years that are coming. When somebody comes to you with a problem, you can say, well, let me tell you something. I thought it was all in an end, but you know what? I asked myself great questions and I turned it around. This is how I did it. So you will get out of this. You will, if you want to, live the life of your dreams. You just have to ask yourself great questions. Very interesting. I think, I think that one of the most powerful words you said earlier today is, what if I knew I couldn't fail? That's actually, I had never actually thought about that. I, I think most people listening right now probably never have thought about that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really important exercise that we might, because the chances are, the chances are greater that you would succeed than fail if you give all your heart to something. So what if I knew I couldn't fail? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we think we might we we might fail. So we don't even try to think about the possibilities. So I think that that's, a, that's an amazing uh, insight and also all the the what if um, you know mind exercise to you know figure out I, I guess what you're saying is what's the possibility what, what you know what's what's in I mean what's possible I mean everything's possible exactly everything is possible and I love that well you know what Mike um, I would love to have this conversation I mean much more in depth because we just I feel like we just sort of uh, scratch the surface of the whole you know philosophical um meaning here but how can um our audience find you and if they want to connect with you um what are you you know do you have conventions or do you have books yeah so look if there's a couple ways you can connect with me if what i talked about money interests you and you're looking for a good financial advisor go to wealth uh, happinesswealthmanagement.com if you're looking for a speaker to come into your office, you can go to MikeDuffySpeaks.com. Okay. And then if you're looking for amazing videos on how to be happier, go to HappinessHallOfFame.com. And there you'll see one of the funniest Dolly Parton videos you will ever see. She is an American treasure, and she couldn't make it to our annual award festival at Stanford University, so she sent me a video and it's fantastic. Yeah, I uh, the Happiness Hall of Fame. I mean, look at the names once again: Muhammad Ali, Dolly Parton, Jerry Rice, Ray Williams, Golden State Warriors, and the San Francisco Giants. These are just a few of the names, and I mean, all of the names are synonymous with uh, people, you know, iconic people that have overcome some amazing. Um, I mean, truly amazing obstacles that, that are unimaginable. If you look at their stories, it's just, it, it's just mind boggling. So that just actually kind of encapsulates what is possible, you know, when you refuse to give up and when you try to surround yourself with what is possible. So, well, thank you so much for stopping by, Mike, and uh, good luck to you. And, you know, I just uh, really appreciate your time and I know you're busy. So thank you. Victoria, I wish you even more success than you've had to this point. You are an amazing person, and I see great things in your future. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Until next time. You've been listening to Million Dollar Hobbies, where we turn dreams into reality and passion into profit. According to ancient Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Congratulations on taking that first step today. 
For more information on how Victoria can help you turn your hobby into a million dollars and to download Victoria's free ebook on passion-based business ideas, visit milliondollarhobbies.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player.